children dismissed to junior church at this time. I want to be going over a few passages, and then we're going to be going to Acts chapter uh, 8 here in a couple minutes. Acts chapter 8 in a couple minutes. If you want to turn there, Acts 8, 26 through 40. But we're going to talk about a few other passages uh, first today. You know, I began a series last week regarding being contagious Christians. I began a series I'm titling, Be Contagious in 2020. Be Contagious in 2020. And if you recall last week's sermon, and it's okay if you don't, because I'm convinced by the time of the afternoon nap, most people forget the sermon. But if you recall the past week's sermon, I walked through the New Testament to make the case that the whole New Testament is about the command to share the gospel. The whole New Testament has an evangelism undercurrent. Now, I did that because I think many people... Uh, make excuses. Uh, we think the Christian life is just about us. We think the Holy Spirit is about us. We think miracles are just about us. We think healings are just about us. But if you really look through the book of Acts, miracles were about validating the, the, the reality of the gospel. Miracles are about proclaiming the gospel. Miracles are about people being saved. It's not about us. And I'm going to give an excerpt from an A.W. Tozer a book in a minute. But first I want to address something right up here in the front. You know, I've used the word divine appointments, a divine appointment. God may divinely appoint me to be with someone at some time and to have a certain conversation. And Tozer would talk about divine appointments. Now, I can't talk exactly about what Tozer means by that or meant by that, but I think sometimes we use divine appointments as an excuse. We might say, If God wants me to talk about the gospel with somebody, he will divinely appoint me to do that. And I want to say, you all are already divinely appointed to talk about the gospel with people. We all, including me, are already divinely appointed to share the gospel with people. It's commanded all throughout the New Testament. They were getting their heads cut off and they were commanded to share the gospel with people. If anybody had an excuse for not sharing the gospel, it was them. And Paul's stoned and left for dead and shares the gospel in the next city. You know, I talked about that last week. A riot evangelism in the book of Acts. He would go to a city, share the gospel. A riot breaks out. They try to stone him. He goes to another city and shares the gospel again. We are all commanded to share the gospel. And I really believe the real reason the church is hurting across the United States... We can blame generations or blame whatever. It's really because the church has not taken the word of God seriously and we have not taken the gospel seriously. Even Bethel friends, I'm going to be real right here. I've said before we're evangelical, but not really. I don't think we've been very evangelical in the past as far as sharing the gospel, taking that seriously. Now, I've only been here for almost three years, so if I'm wrong, I apologize. But most of church and most Christians across the United States do not really take seriously the Great Commission. We're quite comfortable to let our friends and family members and neighbors go comfortably to hell. That's something we've got to pray about. Now, today, the main theme, the main point, is to pray for divine appointments. And by that, I mean pray for the Holy Spirit to lead your conversations with people. We are already divinely appointed to share the gospel. If somebody's in your life, they're in your life for a reason. God has you there for a reason. You need to pray that you follow God's lead with how you share the gospel and when. And just think of it like planting seeds. Think about it like gardening. We'll come back to that in a minute, but think about being spirit-led. A.W. Tozer writes, There was a man sent from God whose name was Noah. 
a just man. Noah builded himself an ark. That's Tozer's word, not mine, builded. Noah builded himself an ark and saved himself and his wife and eight persons, saving the human race from extinction. There was a man sent from God whose name was Abraham. He came from Ur of the Chaldees, following nothing but the light in his own heart and the dimly seen vision of the living God. Abraham became the founder of the Jewish nation. There was a man sent from God named Moses. He took a nation lost in darkness and bondage in Egypt through the miracle of the Red Sea and into the wilderness where he guided and cherished and nursed and cared for it through 40 years. When Moses died, God sent a man whose name was Joshua. Joshua, who gathered the nation as a hen gathers her chicks and established Israel in the land that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There was a man sent from God whose name was David. And he reached into his own heart and tore out the sounding strings and set those strings in the windows of the synagogues for a thousand years so that the winds of persecution blew across them, making music for the Jewish worshipers. When the veil of the temple was rent and the Holy Ghost had come, those same harp strings taken from the heart of David were strung in the windows of the churches. So today in our churches, we cannot sing without having David sing also. In a very true sense, the man sent from God, whose name was David, taught the world to sing. And we've been singing David's songs ever since. Oh, there was a man sent from God, whose name was Paul, and another man whose name was Peter. And many centuries later, when the church had been buried under the debris and settlings of the dust of Romanism, there was a man sent from God, whose name was Luther. And he feared no one. He brought back the Bible, again, translating it into sonorous and musical German. There is a man sent from God whose name was Simpson. This would be A.B. Simpson. And he was joined by another whose name was Jeffrey. And they combined in praying and taking the Christian gospel to great unreached sections of our world in the past generation. Founders of the Christian Missionary Alliance. Go down the line. Take, take any list you happen to be fond of. And wherever men had done great things for God, they've been men who were sent from God. And we are all called and sent from God. And we are all called and sent from God to be contagious Christians, to share the gospel with our sphere of influence. And realize this, you are sharing the gospel for good or for bad. We embody the gospel to other people. Now, sometimes we leave it at that. We say, I'm just a lifestyle witness. That's quite sinful. God calls us to use our words, to use our mouth, and to share the gospel with other people. Many times, you know, I've been more and more convicted the last few years, we, we get discipleship proud. We know our Bible, we sit and talk about our Bible, we memorize our Bible. But we're not being disciples if we're not making disciples, if we're not sharing the gospel with others. If you are here and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I want to say that you are also sent from God. We are all called to share the gospel. The Great Commission is not an option. The Great Commission is not an optional commission. Jesus did not go on the mountain with the disciples and say, if you think you're led by the Spirit, go into all the world and make disciples. That sounds funny, but many times that's how we interpret it that way. Jesus did not go on the mountain with the disciples before he ascended into heaven and say, if you have the spiritual gift of evangelism, go into all the world and make disciples. He didn't say that. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. Actually, he said, wait until the Holy Spirit comes. He said, 
He did not want them to mess things up without the Holy Spirit. But then he said, when the Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses. It's not an option. Romans 10, 15. How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Sometimes we get caught only applying that passage to the missionaries. But in reality, in the New Testament, we see the common lay people sharing Jesus as much as anyone. We never see the idea of sharing the gospel only for pastors and leaders. In fact, I shared this before and I'll probably share it again. The church at Antioch was a major sending church in the book of Acts. We don't know who started it. It wasn't Paul, it wasn't Peter, it wasn't James. It was the lay people who started the church in Antioch. And that church grew and they became a sending church. Great mission movements came out of the church in Antioch. It's lay people. But we want to pray for God to direct our mission. We need to pray for divine appointments as to uh, lead us in our conversations about the gospel. We want to pray for God's leading. So today we're going to look at Philip being a witness to the Ethiopian eunuch. As we look at this passage, we will bring out some strong insights to sharing the gospel. But I hope we will also be encouraged that we never, 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 never are witnessing by ourselves. If you're here and you're a Christian, you never are by yourself. You're always with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always with you. We just need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. So my theme and application is pray for opportunities to share the gospel and then follow the Spirit's lead. And don't use the lack of a leading as an excuse. Because sometimes we're waiting on a voice from God to say, Go to the street, the state street, I'm trying to make something up, and you're going to find somebody in a Cadillac, and you're going to get in and share the gospel. If, you, if that happens, you probably shouldn't follow. It may not be of God. I want to talk first, though, about salvation is from the Lord. Let's talk first about a, a very heady topic about where salvation comes from to begin with. Throughout church history, there has been a great debate between God's sovereignty and man's free will. God's sovereignty and man's free will. I see both in the scriptures. I see it being extremely clear that God is sovereign. God is omnipotent, which many or all of you probably know is all-powerful. God is omnipresent, that means he's present everywhere. God is omniscient, that means he knows everything. God being present everywhere means that he's outside of time. If he's outside of time, he does know the future. There is a heresy that's kind of faded out now called open theism. Open theism taught that God doesn't know the future. That's crazy. The Bible teaches clearly God knows the future. God is sovereign. He is in control. But we also see God's, we also see free will in Scripture. And we also see that God desires all to be saved. So I'm going to try to just touch this subject just for a minute, just to make the point that we need the Holy Spirit's lead. Nobody can be saved without the Spirit's lead. And, and, and in that way, nobody can be saved without us praying for them. God wants us to pray for people to be saved. That's the first step. You all need, we all need a prayer list that includes people that, that, we, that, that are in our sphere of influence that we would like to witness to, share the gospel with. Start praying about that. We all need a prayer list. We're praying for our family members, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, our whoever, our frenemies. And we're praying for opportunities to talk about the gospel with them. Because it starts with prayer. Pray daily. 
Acts 13, 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing, glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as has had been appointed to eternal life were saved, believed. That's so interesting word, isn't it? As many as were appointed to eternal life believed. I know of a friend's church. I know of a friend's pastor who was talking with somebody who has a very strong um, sovereignty of God view about election and predestination. And, and this pastor asked the guy, how do, you, how do you bring together free will and God's sovereignty? And he said, we don't reconcile friends which is an interesting thought, but we don't really need to reconcile them. They're already reconciled in God. God already can bring together our free will with his total sovereignty and with his future plan. That's how great and awesome God is. But look at Acts 14.1. In Acts 14.1, it says, In Iconium, they entered the synagogue of the Jews together and spoke in such a manner that a large number of people believed, both of Jews and of Greeks. They spoke in such a manner that a large number of people believed. In other words, in this case, the apostles are speaking and teaching in such a way that a large number were saved. God was using their gifts, and God is using their gift mix, and they are saved. People are saved. In 1 Corinthians 9, 19-23, we see Paul wanting to be all things to all men to save some. Paul wanted to make the message fit the context. God wants to use us, but God does not need us. God, uh, God does the saving through us. However, no one can be saved but by the Holy Spirit drawing them. Got a couple more verses. John 6.44. Amazing passage, John chapter 6. In John 6.44, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. No one can come to Jesus except being drawn by the Father. There's another passage, John 6, 65. And Jesus was saying, For this reason, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. But there is another passage, which isn't in your notes. It's Romans 8, 29 through 30, which says, For those whom he foreknew, those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. It's because of that, and some other scriptures which I'll share in a minute, that I believe this drawing from the Holy Spirit that needs to happen for somebody to be saved is based off of God's foreknowledge. Those God knows will be saved, given the free opportunity, God grants the Holy Spirit to draw them to himself. Or the way I've said it before is I don't believe anybody is lost who would be found given the total free opportunity. There's a Wesleyan Arminian idea called prevenient grace. It means that grace goes beforehand. It's God's Holy Spirit going unto people to convict them that they are sinners in need of a Savior so that they can freely receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Still, the point is the same. We need to pray and pray and pray because it is God that does the saving. We need to pray that God will open people's hearts and make this soil fertile to receive the seeds of the gospel. God wants all to be saved, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world 
God so loved the world. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God loves the world. He wants all to be saved. Another passage, which is not in the notes for some that read the notes. Uh, John 16, 8. John 16, 8. Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world. It's the Greek word cosmos. The world of its sin. That's that prevenient grace, the grace that goes before and where the Holy Spirit is convicting the world, everybody, at one point or another, based on God's foreknowledge, so that they can freely receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. God wants all to be saved, but salvation is a miracle. Turning from sin to follow Christ is a miracle. Without Christ, we are dead, dead, and totally dead, spiritually. Here's an assignment. I hope that you all will do this. Go home. Don't go home. Just stop on your way. Go to a graveyard. Pick any graveyard you want to go to. And go raise a dead person. Tell me if you're successful. None of us can do that, can we? Now, Jesus could and Jesus did. Lazarus come out. Jesus raised the dead. You know, the apostle Paul did it. He preached so long, a guy fell out of a window. He died. Paul raised him up. He was alive. I've never had that happen. I preached long, but never that long. Look, we can't do that. We cannot raise a dead person. But when we are sharing the gospel with somebody and we want somebody to turn from their sins and turn to Jesus as Lord and Savior, that is just as much of a miracle. That is a miracle. Only God can do it. They are dead in their sins and they need to come to life spiritually. It is a miracle for somebody to be saved. And we need to pray for these miracles to happen. The greatest miracle is not a physical healing, but a spiritual healing. We need God to go before us with that. So I want to give two big cautions. Don't expect the Lord to verbally tell you to go share the gospel with someone. In a minute, we're going to look at a passage about that. And the Lord could do it. Maybe he's convicted you. Maybe he's laid on your heart. But that's very rare. Start talking about Jesus and see where the conversation goes. Once a person seems to not be interested, change the subject or move on. As long as the person is engaged, consider it a divine appointment. It's, remember we had Doug Pollock talk about God space. That's what this is. It's creating God space in your conversation. I just listened to a podcast this morning with um, Greg uh, Coco is his name. He has an organization called Stand to Reason. He talks about this. Ask questions about people, where they stand, what their faith is, what their beliefs are, and go with the conversation. You are all, we are all already divine appointed, divinely appointed to talk about the gospel with people. Sometimes we think it is not of God if the person is not saved. Nothing can be further from the truth. Many of us are divinely appointed to plant seeds. Look at this, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 7. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who causes the growth. Dr. Greg Kokel shared in this podcast this morning that, um, that sometimes we get discouraged because we go into a conversation, a God-based conversation, a gospel conversation, and we're thinking in our head of saying the sinner's prayer with the person. He compared it to going to the Super Bowl and thinking about the final play. You ruined the whole game. All you're thinking about is your final play. 
No, just think about having a conversation, a spiritual conversation. Maybe the Lord is only going to have you plant seeds, and that's awesome. Pray for good soil. Maybe somebody else is planted and you're going to water. Maybe somebody else is planted and somebody else is watered, and now you're going to reap the harvest, and they're going to come to know, you, uh, come to know the Lord and Savior, Jesus, through you. Just think of it like gardening instead of getting discouraged thinking we have to get to the Lord's prayer. We're going to force them to a decision. Well, if you force them to a decision, it's not real anyways. Okay, so look at a divine appointment in the scripture. Let's look at Acts 8, 26 through 40. It's a lengthy passage, but I'm going to read it. Hopefully you're there. You've had 15 minutes. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, Well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his generation is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And, verse 37, which isn't in all translations, but that's another topic. And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water. Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Asitus, and as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. That is an amazing passage, by the way. An amazing passage. Here's Philip. He's not even one of the original uh, 12 apostles, by the way. He's not even the one who replaced Judas. But he is the one God desired and ordained and convicted and spoke to to share the gospel with this Ethiopian. We have a message breakdown. In verse 26 and 29, we see that we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Verse 27, be obedient to the Lord's command. Be obedient. Verse 30, be sensitive to the other person's needs. This Ethiopian needed somebody to explain the passage to him. Verse 35, be skilled in understanding God's word. And there is another application which I um, used to have in my notes on this passage and took out. And that is, ask the person to make a decision. And I, that's not in any of, that wasn't even in this sermon until a minute ago. Only because I think sometimes we try to force decisions. And they're not always genuine. If the person is led by the Holy Spirit and feels convicted that they're a sinner in need of a Savior, they'll decide to decide to follow Christ. 
And we can lead them in a prayer, telling God what they're doing. They're not saved by saying this sinner's prayer. They're saved by what's in the heart. The prayer is just telling God what's in their heart. So let's look. In verses 26 and 29, we must be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And look at verse 26. It says, An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. The angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, and Philip obeys. Then in verse 29, Philip is again spoken to by the Spirit of God, and he obeys. Philip obeys. But as I said, the Holy Spirit normally does not speak to us in this way. We do not build our theology off the book of Acts. We build our theology off of Romans and Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Hebrews, these other books. The book of Acts is the first book of church history. The book of Acts is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's not prescriptive. It is descriptive, okay? So in this case, the Holy Spirit is literally telling Philip to go and do this. And sometimes we may have that experience but remember that this was before the New Testament as well. The Holy Spirit has already commanded all of us to share the gospel in the New Testament that we have. The Holy Spirit may speak to us in a still small voice. If you are thinking, should I share Jesus with this person? You probably should. That's probably the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're going about it the wrong way. Maybe the Holy Spirit is asking you to be contagious with your faith in other ways. Are you thinking... Maybe I should send this person a card. Well, send them a card then. Maybe I should ask if I can pray with this person. Then ask if you can pray with them. Do you realize that many, many people are open to prayer? And prayer opens the spiritual. Prayer opens the God space. Maybe you're thinking I should be a friend to the person who is alone. Go and be that friend. That's, that's likely the Holy Spirit telling you to do that. Maybe you're thinking maybe I should buy this person's dinner. If you have the money, buy the person's dinner. Maybe God will open up a conversation. Maybe you're thinking, maybe I should cut their grass. Maybe the Holy Spirit's convicting you that way. These are other ways that we are contagious Christians. By the way, um, when Doug Pollock was here, he spoke about Rosaria Butterfield. Rosaria Butterfield was a committed lesbian in the 1990s. And she was a faculty with tenure teaching ancient literature, a committed lesbian. And she was writing against promise keepers. And Christians wrote her hate mail. Hate mail. She would throw it in a certain trash can. And then other people would write her loving mail and she would keep it in a certain pile. And one pastor wrote her a different type of letter. One pastor invited her over for dinner with he and his wife. She, at first she threw that away. And then she thought, this is weird. All these other Christians are sending me hate mail, and this one wants to just talk to me. So she got it out of the trash, and she took him up on his offer. And for two years, this pastor and his wife met with this woman. Rosaria just went there because she, wanted a, she was writing against Christianity, and she wanted more ammunition. But eventually, God worked. She read through the Bible something like 13 times before she was saved. She went to church, his church. She started investigating it. And the Holy Spirit worked through many God-space conversations. And she became a Christian. Today, uh, she's a Christian writer and speaker and author. Um, she recently wrote a book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key about being relational with your neighbors, 
to share the gospel with them and talk about the gospel with them. In fact, she says that that's our biggest hindrance reaching the, the homosexual community. They are extremely relational, and we aren't. After her church services are over, her husband's a pastor now. She's married to a man now. So when she became a Christian, she had to leave her lesbian partner and leave the house that they had together. She left all that behind. And so now her church, they actually have lunch every Sunday together. They're, they're gathering together. She'll have her neighbors over for dinner. And when it's time for family devotions, she'll tell her neighbors, it's time for us to have devotions with our kids. You can stay or leave. It's up to you. It's about relationships. And she said that that pastor, when he invited her over for dinner, he broke every evangelism rule. He did not just jump into the gospel. He focused on God's space conversations, building a relationship. And he planted seeds and planted more seeds and planted more seeds. And eventually, the Holy Spirit, you know, brought all those, the seeds and the water and the nourishment together, and she was saved. And many people have been saved through her. How awesome that is. There are many ways the Holy Spirit may be leading you to share the gospel or be contagious Christians. The, may, the Holy Spirit may be leading you just to have dinner with somebody. Eventually, we have to talk about the gospel, but follow the lead there. Dr. Blumenstock taught my evangelism class at Cedarville University, and he would take the students to Ohio State University. While at Ohio Ohio State, we were required to go around and talk about the gospel with people. We would talk with our peers, and he would talk with his peers. So he would go and share the gospel with other professors. On one particular moment, he was tired, so he just went and sat down by the lake. He looks down next to him, And a student just happened to be sitting next to him reading a tract which came through Campus Crusade for Christ, now called Crew. Isn't that amazing? Right where he sits, there's a student sitting next to him reading a tract, um, a gospel tract. He says to the student, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, no, how could I? It's just like this passage. I need somebody to explain it to me. He was able to talk to the young man about the gospel. That young man was saved. So as we look at this passage, Acts 8, verse 27, we see that we must be obedient to the Lord's command. Philip obeys. He obeys right away. Now, many times we might intellectualize something. We might think the Holy Spirit is prompting us to have a God-based conversation with somebody. And we might think, ah, no, somebody else will do it. God didn't call somebody else to do it. God called you to do it. Now, listen, you may be wondering... How do I know that God wants me to have God-based conversations with people? I would argue if they're in your life, God wants you to have God-based conversations with them. If they are in your life on repeated occasions, a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, a, a family member, God has them there for a reason. You need to have God-based conversations with them. And I would also argue that too many Christians do not build relationships with their neighbors. And it's hurt the gospel in many ways. Remember that Jesus was called a friend of sinners. He was even called a drunk because he hung out with the drunkards. And too many times we think, unclean, unclean, not going there. God wants to use you to lead them to Christ. Imagine if that pastor thought that way and Rosaria Butterfield maybe would have not been saved at least till later. I think if she truly would receive Christ, God would have given her other opportunities. But God used that pastor to do it. Verse 30, be sensitive to the other person's needs. Philip was sensitive to the Ethiopian eunuch's needs. Verse 35, be skilled in understanding God's word. We must always be ready to give an answer of the hope that is within us. That's 1 Peter 3.15. 
Grow as a disciple of Christ, studying God's word, being ready to share the gospel. Let's make some applications. No one is left out of heaven. Let me revise that sentence. No one is left out of heaven who would be saved given the opportunity. I really believe that. I really believe if somebody would be saved given the opportunity, God wants to use us to give them the opportunity, and God is going to convict them by the Holy Spirit that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. That prevenient grace is going to go beforehand so that they would be saved. God in his foreknowledge knows who would be saved given the opportunity, and God will use that. God loves all people and wants all to be saved. God wants all to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. That was 2 Peter 3.9. We must be encouraged by that. We must be encouraged that Philip went fishing with the Master. He was simply following the Holy Spirit's lead. And we need to go fishing with Jesus all the time. Follow the Holy Spirit's lead. I want to reemphasize warnings I gave earlier. Don't expect the Lord to verbally tell you to share the gospel with somebody. He's already done that in the New Testament. He's already done that in the Bible. If you think God hasn't, already, hasn't verbally told you, you're not reading the Bible. Start talking about Jesus and see where the conversation goes. Once the person seems to, be interest, uh, seems to not be interested, change the subject. Don't force it. If somebody, if somebody isn't interested, just change the subject. Sometimes we think it is not of God if the person is not saved. I want to reemphasize, nothing can be further from the truth. Many of us are divinely appointed to plant seeds. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 7, I planted Apollos water, but God was causing the growth. Lastly, pray, pray, pray for opportunities to share the gospel. Get up in the morning and pray, Lord, give me opportunities, opportunities to share your love today. Get up in the morning and pray, Lord, I know this person. I'm going to see them at lunch. Give me a good God-space conversation. Pray every day for these God-space conversations, and then watch for them. Watch for openings. I knew a guy, he was leading a, a seminar I was in. He picked up a hitchhiker. The hitchhiker said he was going to a Wiccan wedding. Now, if you are talking to somebody, and they right out say they're going to a Wiccan wedding, which is like a type of witchcraft wedding, God has opened the door. They brought it up. They just shared their religious view with you. You can, you can then ask questions. What is a Wiccan wedding? How did you get into this? And then watch to contrast that and talk about the gospel, which is what this guy actually did. You can plant seeds. Pray for those in your mission field to be saved. Have a prayer list every day and, write and pray for people that you know that are not saved, that, that they can be saved and God will use you. So my question is, do you want to share Jesus with people? According to le recent research, if I am not sharing the gospel, it's because I have lost my sense of awe and appreciation of it. When the religious leaders asked Peter and John, two of Jesus' disciples, to stop speaking about Jesus, this is what they replied. We are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard in Acts 4.20. They couldn't help but share the gospel with people. When Jeremiah considered not speaking for the Lord, he realized he could not hold the message inside without exploding. Jeremiah 20 verse 9 says this, If I say I won't mention him or speak any longer in his name, his message becomes a fire burning in my heart, shut up in my bones. I become tired of holding it in and I cannot prevail. He couldn't help but share God's message. Whenever we find amazing, we share with other people. 
I hope you find the gospel amazing. If not, pray Psalm 51.12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Do you have the on appreciation? The Christian Mission Alliance has huge youth conferences every three years. In 2001, it was called Life 2001. I was one of the helpers because I was out of high school. Part of my job, every night they would have a speaker talk about the gospel, and people would come forward to receive Christ. They had an altar call, Billy Graham style. My job was to, was to go forward with that group and to lead part of that group up to a room where they can talk about receiving Christ and what it means to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. As probably a thousand people went forward to receive Christ, a thousand youth and young adults went forward to receive Christ. So I go forward to lead them up. And it hit me. I am in a miracle moment. People were in tears because they were amazed at God's great free gift of salvation. They were amazed that their sins could be forgiven. And they're crying about it because it was an amazing moment. And I realized these people are crossing from death to life. That is a miracle. It's a miracle that only God can do. But God wants to use you and me to do it. And it begins with prayer. The greatest miracle you can take part in is not physical healing, but a spiritual rebirth. Pray for God's leading. Pray evangelical prayers. Add that to your prayer list. Devote yourself to salvation prayers as much as you devote yourself to anything else. And I guarantee that there will be a harvest. Because the harvest is plentiful. Follow the Holy Spirit's lead. Let's pray right now. Dear Heavenly Father, what a message to preach. What a message to get into today. Lord God, I pray that you will use this congregation to share the gospel with their friends and family members and loved ones. I pray, Lord God, that you will convict all of us to the great, great, great need in how you want to use us. And I pray, Lord, you will make us amazed mesmerized with how awesome our salvation is so that we will be like those disciples in Acts 4.20 that just could not keep their mouth shut about the gospel. Lord God, I pray that the first thing that we would do would be go home and write out names of people we need to pray for for there to be God-based conversations with them, for them to be saved. It all starts with prayer. Lord God, help us to pray evangelism-motivated prayers. In Jesus' name, amen.